Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast for the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you haven't already, we encourage you to check out our audio archive at vineyardcampbellsville.org. You can also subscribe on iTunes or wherever you like to get podcasts. And now, here's this week's message brought to you by Senior Pastor Adam Russell. Good morning, everybody. Hey, my name is Adam Russell. I'm the pastor here. If you're new, welcome to the Vineyard. And uh, if you're back again, thank you for coming back to the Vineyard. We're really glad you're here. Hey, uh, what we want to do this morning is we're going to continue our Advent series. And the passage this week is from Luke chapter 3 again. So if you want to just turn to Luke chapter 3, we'll get there. Uh, We're not going to be there just yet. But uh, we're going we're gonna to get there in just a moment. Uh, first thing I just want to say is, um, my goodness, what a week, huh? Wow. Uh, and as devastating as the storms were here in Campbellsville, amplify at times 10 in western Kentucky. Like this, the, the images are hard to put your brain around. And uh, I, I guess Mayfield, in that city alone, I guess nearly 100 people have died in that vicinity, like 70 people in that area of Mayfield and maybe 100 in that extended region. I mean, so Mayfield is about the size of Campbellsville. The city is about 10,000 people. So you can just imagine if you, if, you were to just, if you were to just take 70 people out of Campbellsville, there's no way it wouldn't touch every single person in this room. We, everybody here would know someone, wouldn't they? So uh, before we even begin the message, I would love it if we would just, we should, I think we should pray for our city, but I think we should pray for them as well, uh, because that's just, it's hard to wrap your brain around, you know? So uh, let's just pray. Father, um, you said that your spirit is a spirit of comfort, and we ask that for families here in Taylor County, uh, God, in Finley Ridge and on Kindness Road And in Palestine, God, we ask that everybody on that northern side of Taylor County who just lost their home, had their farms ripped, barns blown down, uh, God, we ask that you would be the God of comfort to them this morning. And God, we also lift up uh, cities like Bowling Green and uh, places like Mayfield, Kentucky, all the way out there on the western front. God, we ask that you you would just do the things that you do. God, we ask that you would... uh, bring beauty out of ashes, and that you would give joy for mourning. And uh, God, we ask that you would anoint people to be helpers. We ask that you would actually wake up your church all over the state and all over this area and all over that region to do the work that Christians do. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Uh, as, As bad as the storms have been, it's the weirdest thing, right? Like, it's so horrible to watch that kind of loss. And then at the same time, haven't you been encouraged to see Christians be Christians? You know, it's like, oh, that's, that's what Christians do. Christians get out their chainsaws and Christians take whatever they have over to their neighbors. And I mean, I've just been so encouraged. And um, here at the church, you probably noticed on our Instagram, we're helping a family right now. So if you haven't looked, go on to the Vineyard Campbellsville Instagram. It'll show you exactly how you can help this one particular family that we're helping right now. Uh, One of the things that we noticed as a staff is that a lot of the people who lost property and lost homes uh, in Northern Taylor County, from what I could tell, because I know a lot of the people out through there, from what I could tell, a lot of those people 
they have, they have friends and family here. Have you guys noticed this? Like a lot of those people have friends and family here. And, and most of those people, a lot of those families that I know, they actually have church families and I know that they're being cared for, right? But here's what I also know. Uh, one of the things that our staff was talking about, it's not that we want to not care about those people, but what we, what we do want to do is we want to look for who are the people or who are the families who don't have the social connection or the, do um, you know what I'm talking about? Just the, 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 the historic gravitational connection that maybe some people here in Taylor County do and we want to help them. Okay, so we found a family. It's obvious they have no social gravity with respect to who they know and who could even care for them. And so that's what we want to do as a church. We want to look and go, who's the person who's least likely to be cared for? And that's where we want to give our care, right? And uh, so that's up on our Instagram. I'd encourage you to be really generous, like give some money to it. Uh, There's also some very specific ways in terms of like clothing. I know the next thing that this little family needs is they need their cell phones, you know? And so we're going to work on that. So uh, that's just some stuff we're doing. And then as we sort of like tie a bow on this, I think we'll probably, because I know you all are generous, we'll probably wrap this up in some at least initial way this week. And then we're just going to look for the next the next place where maybe somebody just doesn't have a church family or, or maybe they're new here or, or maybe, or, or, you know, maybe they just have no family. Maybe they were just like living on the edge of Finley Ridge uh, and they just didn't have much. And so we want to look for those things. Uh, I'd also want to say, if you're wanting to just like sow money into a good place, Convoy of Hope is always a great place. Convoy of Hope is already in Western Kentucky. It's like a Christian organization and uh, they get like the five-star gold rating review for like, if you give them money, it actually goes to help actual people. Like the CEO doesn't take it and buy himself a private jet and fly around the country. You know, it's like, that's not the way they work. Uh, so th- I know they're already on the ground and Vineyard USA has had a longstanding connection with Convoy of Hope. Does that make sense? So there's some couple things. And then we're going to just keep looking around for what Taylor County might need or what Bowling Green might need. Uh, many of you guys know Jonathan Harrell, uh, who uh, he and Jasmine are just like dear, dear friends. They're in Bowling Green. If, if you get a chance, shoot Jonathan a text, you know? He's out there like slogging it out. He's a firefighter. Like shoot him a text and just say, what's up, Jonathan? How you living, you know? Because uh, that wouldn't be encouraging to him. All right, everybody good? All right, uh, let's look at Luke chapter 3 this morning. We're going to look at verses 7 through 18. It's a good little chunk. And uh, this is just the continuation of what we looked at last week. So you guys remember last week we had that passage like John the Baptist shows up and he's not messing around. Well, he's going to continue not messing around this morning. And here's what's interesting. This passage is pre-prescribed if you follow along with the lectionary. So I didn't choose the passage this morning. Uh, I didn't choose the text. I didn't go through and find my favorite Christmas story. Uh, I just I just received what the church global is reading this morning for the gospel. And what's interesting to me is it speaks to our current moment in a very profound way that only only the Spirit can orchestrate this sort of thing, right? And so even as we read it, you're going, to hear, you're going to hear John the Baptist being John the Baptist, and you're going to hear John the Baptist being an Old Testament prophet. Like he's not messing around. But right in the middle of this passage is like a word for us. 
I'm going to try to just maybe highlight that word, and we're probably not going to do much else this morning. Is that okay? Yeah, I, 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 I don't want to talk. I've been talking a lot. <laughs> so let's read this passage this morning. This is John the Baptist. It says, when the crowds came for John to baptize, for John, for, for, to John for baptism, I'd read. <laughs> I'm going to have a drink of water. <laughs> when the crowds came to John for baptism, Bobby, can we just edit that other part out? I don't want people thinking I'm stupid on the, no. He said, he said, you brood of snakes. Who warned you to flee God's coming wrath? Y'all want him to be your pastor? <laughs> Prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. Don't just say to each other, we're safe because we're descendants of Abraham. That means nothing. For I tell you, God can create children of Abraham from these very stones. Even now, the axe of God's judgment is poised, ready to sever the roots of the trees. Yes, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. And the crowds asked, what should we do? I love this. John replied, if you have two shirts, give one to the poor. Isn't this amazing? This is the word from the Spirit to us today. Hey, if your house gets blown down, what should you do? Well, if you have some stuff, you should give it to the one who doesn't, right? That's literally what the Spirit is saying to us. If you have two shirts, give one to the poor. If you have food, share it with those who are hungry. And even corrupt tax collectors came to be baptized and they asked, Teacher, what should we do? He replied, Collect no more taxes than the government requires. It's a low, low bar. <laughs> I was like, I read that this week and I thought, wow, this is very low, John. Can we amend that? What should we do? Asked some soldiers. And John replied, don't extort money or make false accusations and be content with your pay. And everyone was expecting the Messiah to come soon. And they were eager to know whether John might be the Messiah. And John answered their questions by saying, I baptize you with water, but someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not even worthy to be his slave and untie the straps of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He is ready to separate the chaff from the wheat with his winnowing fork, then he will clean up the threshing area, gather the wheat into his barn, but burning the chaff with never-ending fire. Okay, that's our text this morning. Listen, John is not subtle. Most likely. Here's what I want to do this morning before we sort of unpack this just a little bit. I want to, I want to give you maybe three little images that might help us just wrap our brain around this passage, especially since John's language is, it's just Old Testament, isn't it? Like you just feel it. Like there's the ax is at the roots, like repent, 
Uh, and he's talking about Jesus, but even when he's talking about Jesus, he's like, he's going to thresh the wheat. He's going to gather the wheat into his barn and everything that's chaff, he's going to burn with never ending fire. And you're like, wow, I don't know what to do here. Right. But I want to give you maybe three images. And honestly, they're, they're, they're pretty silly, but it's really all I got. But, um, they might help us wrap our brain around this passage a little bit this morning. Uh, how many of you have ever been up late at night, uh, and you somehow got stuck watching an infomercial? Is that a, it's just universal, isn't it? It's like you want to watch something good, you flip the channels, and then all of a sudden, there's some guy like there's some guy cutting concrete blocks with a with a knife, and you're just you're there, you're there, right? You know, they always they always start by like cutting some some tomatoes, but then it quickly goes to concrete. And I never understood. It's like this knife can cut concrete and go right back to the tomato, and then the next thing you know. You've watched this man for an hour and a half. And then, then, and then the end, the, it's usually, it's something like this. The end of the infomercial, it's not, there's no end. It just loops somehow. I don't know how they do this. But, but there's a moment in which they're like, okay, you need to buy our concrete knives. Like you need to buy them. And the pitch will be something kind of like this. Like if you're watching this infomercial right now, you know, for the low price of $19.95, we'll send you three of these amazing concrete chopping knives and you too can chop whatever you want and a tomato, right? And then, is, and then get your credit card out right now. And then what's the next part? But wait, there's more, right? But wait, there's more. If you call right now, we'll give you three more knives and we'll give you a carrying case. And it's like, where am I going to carry this knife? But see, none of that matters, does it? None of that matters. See, that's what happens. You, you, you get sucked in and you're like, well, I want these knives. And then right at the end, they give you the, but wait, there's more. And one frame that we could put around this passage this morning uh, would be, but wait, there's more. That'd be one way of maybe putting a little frame around this passage. Okay, second, second image I want to give you this morning. How many of you love to go to the grocery store and just walk around the produce aisle? Like, a, it's like, like especially Whole Foods. You guys ever go to like bougie grocery, right? You know, it's just, it's fun, isn't it? It's weird. It's weird. I, I think there's something, there's some deep biological thing happening. People like being surrounded by food. I, that's my analysis. I mean, it's... I think it's true, though. I, I literally think the reason you get in a, in a produce aisle and you just feel like, whoa, anything is... It's just because it's talking to some, some deep biological part of you and you're like, I'm in the Garden of Eden. Look at all this. And, and have, you ever noticed, have you ever noticed that if you group fruits and vegetables together in big piles, they look even better? I mean, this is... And people have like earned PhDs figuring this stuff out, but it's actually true. Like if you take an orange, like one, one orange by itself, it's pretty cool. But if you put it with a hundred oranges, it's like, it, it does something inside. It's like, I mean, I haven't eaten an orange in a week and I just, I want one. And apples in particular, don't you love like the apple section? You know, you got your gala apples, you got your pink ladies and you got your honey crisps and they're all like, they're all buffed, aren't they? They put wax on them and they're, for real, they do. I mean, like you think, 
Like they're tricking us with all this. And then you get your little plastic bag and you somehow get it open. <laughs> and you put some Honeycrisp apples in there and they're like, they're so beautiful, right? And then you take them home and then, and then you get them home. And you're like, I'm going to have an apple. And, and then what's the next thing you do? You wash that apple. And here's why you wash that apple. I mean, I don't know if you've ever thought about this. Think about how many grubby hands have touched that apple. Like it looks so good, doesn't it? But think about how many booger picking third graders have. That's what I think about. Like there's just some third grader and he's had both his hands up his nose and he's had them all over your pink ladies, right? Like he's touched your galas and you, you better, you better wash them. This bit works on a lot of levels. <laughs> Guys, I'm a professional. It's in my notes. You wash it. It looks good, but it needs cleaned up, right? Like on the outside, it looks okay, but it needs cleaned up. It's not fit for human consumption, Right? I mean, you, who knows what's on that apple? Okay. Uh, one more. How many of us have ever gotten ready for some kind of race? You know? I mean, I think Joey had a race yesterday. Joey, did you have a race yesterday? It was a slog fest, right? How much mud was there? Way too much. Way too much. Yeah. How many of you ever signed up for a race and you're like, you know what? I'd really like to run this race, but in order to run this race, I probably ought to train for this race. And so, you know, maybe you're going to run a half marathon. And so you're like, well, I'm going to start by running two miles. And so you go out and run two miles and you feel terrible. Then you get out and the next day you run two miles, you feel terrible. And you, and you keep doing this. And then finally two miles doesn't feel so bad. And then you move it to three and then you go to four and then maybe you get to six. And then, you know, a few days before the race, you, you, run, you run 10 and you're like, well, if I can run 10, I can run a half marathon and you're basically ready. And then you go to the race, you go to the race and you find out that running the half marathon is hard. It's like really hard. It's like, wow, I'm pushing myself maybe further than I've ever pushed. But all the preparation you did before made way for you to be able to do or to receive the experience of the race day. Does that make sense? Anybody ever done that? I think some people here have. I think Justin, what you ran like 19 miles last weekend, right? Yeah, Bubs ran, guys, 19 miles in the mountains at the Red River Gorge, right? But what did he do? He would go out to the lake and he would run 10 or 12 miles out there running up and down the hills. And the experience of running 12 miles up and down at Green River Lake, it made a way for him to receive the experience of running 19 in the Red River Gorge. That'd be another way of thinking about today's passage. Three different lenses. They help us get a hold of the passage. John the Baptist uh, he's in full Old Testament prophet mold. Uh, he's calling people to repent. And we, we sort of talked about that last week. It's, it's one of those things we never outgrow, right? And repent is just a word that means change the way you think or update, update your thinking, update your software. That's the way I've been thinking about it lately. Update your thinking. Uh, but, notice, but notice that when he's giving this message and he's, he's not mincing words, he's like, you kind of need to do this 
Because if you don't produce the fruit of repentance, like, like there's just an ax coming and there'll be nothing left of your life. And it causes people in the crowd to bring up all kinds of questions. And the people are, are, are asking him, well, what should we do? Which is the, the best question, right? Like, well, okay, that's great. I received that, John. What should we do? And he says things like, well, if you, if you have two tunics and someone doesn't have any, you should give them one. And if you have some food and somebody's hungry, you should feed them. And if you're a tax collector, don't take any more than what the government requires. And if you're a soldier, don't extort people. Don't beat people up. Just be satisfied with your pay. And isn't it interesting in all of these cases, John is talking about repent. People ask what to do. And then the answer that comes back essentially is this. Treat other people with some dignity and some righteousness, right? Isn't it? It's just so basic. It's like, John's like, if somebody's hungry, feed them. And if you're a tax collector, just do your job. And if you're a soldier, be content with your pay. Like, just, just do the thing you've been assigned to do. Like, show up and be a kind of person. And I think the first thing I want to show you about this passage is there's something about repentance. It, it can't just stay in my head or in my heart. It eventually gets acted out in the world, right? And so repentance is not just changing the way I think, but it, it, it shows up and it eventually works from the inside out and it, because, it causes me to become a different kind of person. And so one of the things that I've noticed even this week is uh, Christians have been showing uh, the proof of their baptism. We'll put it that way, right? Uh, Christians have been displaying the proof of their baptism. Christians in our community and even in Western Kentucky have been displaying the, the, the proof of their repentance for the last 48 hours in tremendous ways. Why? Because they've been sharing. They've been putting it out there, right? They've had, oh, I have something and you, know, you don't have anything. Now let's share, right? So there's something about this that comes from the inside and it moves its way out. Sharing is an early sign of God's kingdom starting to show up. We start thinking something different and then hopefully we start acting something different. Uh, a few weeks ago, I was in, I was in Wales. I had, I had preached, a few com I've preached a conference in, in England. Then I went to another vineyard church in Wales and I just did their Sunday service, you know, in Cardiff. And people were getting baptized and I'm supposed to preach or whatever. And they did this tremendous thing. They had everybody who was a candidate for baptism. They had them all come up and share their testimony as to what happened when they met Jesus and why they're getting baptized. And so these people like read their testimonies. And this, at one point, this really amazing Iranian couple came up. Like think, think Iranian still with a very thick accent. They hadn't lived in, in England long and uh, husband and wife and only son. They're all getting baptized together. And the wife is the first to give her testimony for why she wants to be baptized. And here's basically her, ba her, her baptism testimony. She says, uh, I now believe in Jesus because my husband believes in Jesus. And when he started believing Jesus, well, she said, he used to be really, he used to be, he used to be really mean. And he used to be really, like really not, he had no hope in his life. And he was very critical. And then he met Jesus and I didn't want anything to do with Jesus. And he became kind and he became full of hope and he had a vision for his life. And she said, when I saw that, I became a Jesus person. Okay. Now I was supposed to preach after that, right? I'm like, I'm like, 
Why am I here? Bring a mirror back up here. You guys just tell this story again because this is literally everything you need to know. But I love that because it's exactly, it's exactly what John's talking about. Like, change the way you think. Let, let it go deep in your life and then let it come out because when it comes out, it just has this perpetuating effect, doesn't it? Like, show the fruits of repentance. Like, let them, and by the way, he says fruit. Fruit is always meant to be shared, right? It's for other people. Uh, and isn't it interesting that when a plant gives up its fruit, uh, that plant, uh, it can feed and it can nourish, but it doesn't, it doesn't in the long term take anything away from that plant, does it? No, it's, it's an extension of that plant's life, but it takes nothing away from that plant. It just keeps going. Yeah, let it come out. What was inside comes out. It's also interesting and maybe even amazing to me that in the midst of political upheaval, like the passage we just read, Israel is overrun by the Romans. Uh, the land promised to them by God, uh, the land of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is now the land of Caesar. And it's interesting that in a moment of political upheaval and being ru ruled by foreign powers, John doesn't show up as a prophet and say, well, now's the time to take up arms. You know, John doesn't show up and say, you know what we need to do now? Now's the time to protest. Instead, what John says, he says this, now is the time for our mind to change. And here's what it means. It means let's begin to anticipate God's kingdom. And here's how we do that. We start sharing with other people. It's like, what? What is the real revolution? You know, is it getting rid of the Romans? Is it, is it making... Is it making the government the way I want it to be? Or is it, or is it letting God's government start to rule in my life? That's what John says. So the real revolution isn't what happens in Washington. Uh, the real revolution is never what happens in Frankfurt. The real revolution is what is happening in my mind and what is happening in my heart? And can anyone see it toward my neighbor? That's the real revolution. Do your job honesty, honestly. Be content with your pay. And the way to fight the powers is to live with righteousness towards those around me. What a beautiful thing. That's how you fight the power, you know? That's how you do the thing that changes the world. And I, I want to say what a beautiful thing it is to see so many people get up and help their neighbors this week. Uh, one of the things that I've realized is people want to share. My phone melted yesterday with people wanting to know what to do. My phone literally melted. Every friend I have who doesn't live in Kentucky called or texted yesterday. Uh, my, I still haven't answered all my Instagram DMs. You know, people are, people, people are moved, right? That's the real revolution. People want to know if they could help. And by the way, uh, that's, that's an Advent message as well. Uh, that's a sign of Advent longing. One of the Advent words is longing. Uh, it, it's, it's the hope that the world could be made right, you know? And, and right now... Right now, we're living inside of an Advent moment. Uh, we're living in a, a moment of real darkness. Like people in our community and people in Western Kentucky are experiencing a kind of darkness that maybe most of them had never experienced or uh, ever dreamed that they would experience. And, and they need the light, right? And it brings out this sense of longing. It's like, how many of you have thought something like this in the last 24 hours? How does, why is the world like this? Why is the world the kind of place where you could go to bed and you could, you could wake up dead. 
from a storm that's random, right? Or why is the world like this? Like you could just go to bed and your house stands and one field over your neighbor loses everything and it's just random. Anybody thought about that? That's an Advent thought. That's an Advent thought. Like why is the world, why is the world messed up? And why, like what can you do? Like, what can you do? Like, how, where does the light come in? Well, here's the light that comes in. When you have two tunics and you share it with someone who has none. And when you have food and you share it with the one who's hungry. And when someone's house gets blown down, you go and help them chainsaw their driveway out and make sure that whatever they need to do to get things right, you do it. Maybe, maybe it's just you call their insurance agent for them. Like, it's literally, that's how the light begins to break in. That's a sign of Advent longing. It's the thing that's inside of people's hearts that says, my gosh, I long for the day that Jesus would not just show up as a baby, but that he would come back as a man and he would make the world right. How do we enter into that story? That's how we do it. This is a season where we hope for Jesus and his kingdom. Mm. Here's where we... Here's where we want to go this morning to wrap this up. Uh, just where we started. But wait, there's more. Because it isn't just that John is inviting us to have our minds changed, to have our hearts changed. It isn't just that John is inviting us into the real revolution. It's not just that John's inviting us to fight the powers by serving our neighbor. But he says that there's someone coming who's greater than him. John says, all this stuff I've been telling you about, essentially, uh, this, is, this is the baptism of water, right? But there's someone else who will come who will baptize you with fire and the Holy Spirit. And, and this is Jesus. And, and part of what we see this morning is that if you will lay hold of the kingdom longing, if you will lay hold of the kingdom way, if you will begin to see your neighbors and begin to care for your neighbors, if you will do your job with righteousness, if you will be content in some way in your life, if you will begin to look toward other people, there's something about that that, that opens you up for this other experience, which is to meet Jesus, who is the one who baptizes with the Spirit and with fire. It's, it's like if you run 12 miles at Green River Lake, uh, you'll get ready, you'll be ready to run 19 in the Red River Gorge, you know? Uh, if you go and buy your gala apples that look so good, uh, you will meet the one who will wash them and make them truly good. Uh, if, you will, if you will put your lot in, uh, you will not just receive what you thought you would receive, but you'll receive the more that's in Jesus. And it's the baptism of fire, and it's the baptism of the Spirit. And here's what's really, really interesting uh, I didn't have Cody bring it up this morning, and it's totally fine. Uh, but the next passage in Luke chapter 3 is the actual baptism of Jesus. Because I want to talk to you just for a moment about the baptism of the Spirit and the baptism of fire. Because we hear, we hear baptism of the Spirit, or we hear baptism of fire, and we go, oh, that sounds a little scary, right? I mean, Jesus has a winnowing fork. He's going to pull in the wheat, he's going to burn the chaff with unquenchable fire. So we might want to know, like, what is this baptism of fire? Do I even want it, right? Uh, here's the baptism of fire. It actually happens in the next passage. The next passage is uh, Jesus goes out to be baptized 
by John, right? So Jesus goes and receives the baptism of water from John. But what happens when Jesus comes out of the water? The spirit comes down on him, right? And then there's this other thing that happens. Jesus's father speaks from heaven. And what does he say? This is my son. What? He makes me happy, right? And what we see even in this moment in the life of Jesus is that is the baptism of the spirit. That is the baptism of fire. The baptism of fire and the baptism of spirit that Jesus comes to bring is the knowledge in your heart and in your life that you are deeply and forever loved by God, that you are embraced by your heavenly maker. And here's what's crazy. To begin to to show your neighbor kindness and to begin to show your neighbor love actually prepares you to receive the, the, the more. Uh, to, to begin to like live your life with righteousness, not just in my head and not just in my heart, but towards those around me, it, it does something. It, it opens us up to receive the more from God, which is I'm a son of God, I'm a daughter of God, and he, he is well pleased with me. And by the way, like you can hear these words coming out of my mouth with your ears and you might know them in your head, but you might not know them in your heart. And you need the baptism of the spirit, which is the very thing that Jesus came to bring. Like we oftentimes think about like, oh, Jesus is the guy who forgives us of our sins. And he is. Or we think Jesus is the guy who is, you know, coming to heal sick people. And he is. Or Jesus is the guy who wants to free people who are oppressed by demons and and depression. And he does. But here's the thing that Jesus came to do that is wrapping all of that up into one, one container. It is this. He came to baptize people with fire and with the Holy Spirit, which is the knowledge of the Father's love. What does a fire do? It warms your heart. It warms. Fires warm. Like every cold, every cold thing in your life, everything that feels alienated from God and from others, Jesus wants to baptize you with fire and he wants to warm you toward your creator. He wants to warm you toward your father and toward your neighbor. Fires warm. Fires illuminate. Everything that feels dark, everything that feels mysterious towards God, everything about life that feels like it's screwed up and doesn't make any sense, God wants to bring the illumination of his love and of his spirit to you. And fires also consume and they purify. And everything in your life that is uh, not, not in alignment with who God is, everything that fights the perfect love of God, everything that resists the embrace of God, he wants to give you the baptism of the spirit to the point that you will, that you will melt into his arms. This is the baptism that Jesus came to bring. And this is the one that, that our hearts are actually made for. Can I tell you that? That's the thing you're here for. And by the way, uh, I, I don't know if you've ever experienced this or not, but if you get really baptized in the love of God, uh, it, it's just gasoline on righteousness. It'll make you want to do the right thing with people. You know, everything that was gritted teeth, you're like, okay, I've got grace for people. Why? Because you know that God has grace for you. Like all the way down, like the baptism of fire that Jesus comes to bring is the baptism that you are deeply loved by God 
even in your weakness, like in your profound, profound weakness, that God loves you and he cherishes you. And when you know that, not just in your head, but in your heart, you will have grace and mercy for very imperfect people who live around you. Like one of the ways that you know whether or not you've ever received the baptism of the Spirit is simply this. Do I have any grace for difficult people? Because your heavenly Father has tremendous grace for everyone's difficulty, including yours and mine. And he will give you the Spirit, which is the knowledge of his everlasting embrace. You can hear him on the inside and on the outside say, you are my beloved daughter, you make me happy. And, and you know everything is, and like, by the way, like he knows all of your parts, right? Like he knows everything is happening in your life. All the ways that we've, we, we've just like fallen short, that's the baptism of the Spirit. That is the thing that Jesus came to bring. And that's why we want to receive even these hard words of John, because we know they set us up to receive this glorious thing from Jesus. I think that's what I came to say. I think that's what I came to say. All right, so if you're on the band this morning, come on up. Uh, if you are in the room, stand up. We want to just take a moment that the Spirit might touch us. Thanks again for stopping by the podcast of the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you'd like to keep up with what's happening at the Vineyard, you can follow us on social media. Until next time. <laughs>